if you want me to slow down or something. Greetings, this is Todd Greer from Center Vision Leadership Foundation. We want to welcome you into our Tuesday at 2 p.m. live webinar. Today we are very excited to have with us Ed Bogle. Ed is live in Las Vegas, Nevada with Hugh, and Ed's going to talk with us about strategy for social benefit organizations. He's going to discuss with us the importance of how we engage our members. Before we get into that, a couple housekeeping issues we want to talk with you about. You'll notice in the lower right corner, if you are live with us, the lower right corner there is a button you can click that simply says talk to us. That's an opportunity for you to chat live with us throughout the event, to ask questions, to bring things to light that maybe uh, weren't discussed uh, in full enough detail, and that's a chance for us to be able to get back with you. So we want to encourage you to connect with us through that link and to share your thoughts as we go forward. Also, we want to keep a couple things in front of you. Uh, you can always learn more about what is coming up on our website at centervisionleadership.org backslash events. That's a place for you to see our upcoming schedule. You'll notice every Tuesday at 2, we're going to have these webinars. This is going to be an opportunity for you, our member, to be able to engage with thought leaders across the country as we seek to grow social benefit organizations. Last thing I want to let you know before we get to Ed and Hugh is that we have our magazine, Nonprofit Performance 360 magazine. It's going to be launching shortly, September 2014. It's coming right around the corner. And actually, both of the gentlemen that are sitting by are featured in that first edition. So we want to turn it over to Hugh Ballou, our, our president and founder, and he is live with Ed Bogle, a great strategist that we're excited to have on board. So Ed, Hugh, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Todd. Thanks, we, Todd. Uh, we're together at a, at a business growth conference, and we also have lots of folks here that are working in the social benefit sector. We're trying to reframe our thinking from nonprofit is a minimalist term. We think we can't make profit. It's really technically a non-tax organization. But fundamentally, whether you're uh, leading a church or leading a community foundation, it's a social benefit organization. So I'm, I'm with my colleague, Ed Bogle. We work on a number of projects together. And over the years, I have become a, a huge fan of understanding the framework. And as you may know, I spent 40 years as a musical co conductor. Musical conductor has to have a score so everybody knows when to play and what to play. So in my world, having that framework allows us the stability to know what to do and to then be very creative. So we call it strategic planning. In Center Vision, we're reframing that whole concept of what we call a solution map. Where do you want to go and how do you get there? And Ed, why is it Give us a short version of why it's important. There's probably a number of reasons, but what are the most top three or four reasons why it's important for a nonprofit? We think of a strategic plan or a solution map as a business thing. Right. So why is it important for a church or, or a nonprofit social benefit organization to have one of these documents? Well, here there are two or three key reasons that I really like to work with nonprofits. I've done it for, gosh, going way back 35, 40 years now, oh that I, well, that was part of the get back. I served on a number of boards and that kind of stuff. So 
I got drug into, so to speak, uh, into doing some strategy work for them. And, and the, the, the important part of that is, as you know, any nonprofit organization, it's all about your impact and where you're going. Okay, that's the end reach. That's the end game. Is having that impact. You want impact. You want your mission out there. And, and just as a quick side note, if I may digress for just a second, you know, it is so critical around the globe as we've shrunk this globe. We're more connected and that kind of stuff. That our nonprofits get out there and have their impact. Uh, personally, I, I don't think governments do very well at running <laughs> social agendas. So our nonprofits need to be out there and having the impact. Now, impact, and Hugh mentioned a second ago, the reason to have this roadmap is because we want to look at that vision, that impact, and where we're going, and get everybody engaged in understanding the vision, the mission of the organization, and their role in getting it there. It's a lot about engagement. You know, as Hugh and I have worked together, there's a lot of underpinnings of engaging, you know, your volunteers, your staff, and everyone else, and having that common one-page direction. The important constructs under that, and one of the things I really emphasize with not-for-profits, we've got to get rid of the scarcity mentality. Most of the impact's huge. Most of us end up spending a lot of our time raising money, raising money, raising money. So a lot of strategy is about defining that impact, how we're going to get there, kind of what the incremental steps are. I like to go into a three to four phase growth plan. I like to look out five to seven years and say, where do we really think this thing's going to be? And then as we progress through the various the implementation of that, that strategy, we adjust that plan. So strategies are not something you define a five to seven year plan, tie a nice bow around it, and then it occurs. Things change, your membership base changes, you know, different donors come and go, whatever the case may be. And those change the context of your strategy. So a lot of it is about the process. It's not the plan, it's the process of that to allow you to manage strategically, keep people engaged, bring new people in, people go away, you know, and it allows you to have that continuum of the mission, the impact in front of everybody, yet they're looking at the short term what do we really do to implement this and make it happen? Speak to the topic that I, I highlighted at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I've had um, churches and community social benefit organizations both say to me, oh, I don't want to do that because it puts me in a box and it limits my creativity. Is that true? No, absolutely not. It's the opposite of it. In fact, a great process, uh, when we do strategies, our strategies end up on one page. And there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. There's an elegant simplicity to having that and it doesn't because again what you want to do is is you know the collective wisdom that may exist uh, you know I worked with an organization in Tulsa Oklahoma it was a senior services organization we have 38 board members okay now that sounds excessive right yeah. now they don't all meet at the same time but it's not a bunch of bobbleheads in that room okay what we did was we engaged a large part of the community to help us mastermind our way through where could this organization go and be engaged, and we rose the creativity. And an example of the senior services group, you know, they wanted to serve seniors. And in the longer term plan, we decided that housing was a huge issue for seniors. We wanted to have an impact. That organization that had no capabilities to do this wound up building a. Uh, they now operate nine assisted living centers, affordable senior housing directed at, at that. So again, it was the engagement of that board. One of the board members brought it up. So it's it's really a lot about the creativity, not stifling it into one box. 
because again, and part of the problems with not-for-profits is they like to turn over leadership sometimes because they get into those boxes. We're talking about how you use and how you build alliance relationships and those kinds of things. So it's, it engages that creativity. Absolutely. Um, I have I have a lot of uh, nonprofit leaders, executive directors, uh, pastors, mm -hmm. come to me and say, "I wish I could get my board active. Mm -hmm. I wish I could engage the major stakeholders. They're pretty hmm, disengaged, but maybe apathetic even." Mm -hmm. So it would occur to me that we had clarity of purpose, clarity and objectives and clarity on here's our action plans and here's our mutual accountabilities. Also hear professional business people say they don't want to get on a board because they feel trapped in a system where they can't function at a high level. So speak to um, this framework that we, we construct, mm -hmm. which I really like your explanation that it's a process that you evaluate and you update so it doesn't become, I love your term, credenza wear. Right. It gets dusty and we put it away and we look at it yeah. every five years and do a new one. We or once a year we update it. Update it, yeah. So it's, a, it's an organic document that becomes Absolutely. part of the culture. So connect those dots of the, the, okay. the professional business person who's on the board wants to function and they, they appear to be apathetic, but really they don't get it. Well, because typically they show up, I call them bobbleheads. I won't go on a board where I'm sitting there going, yes, 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 here's the agenda. There is obviously a role and a place for governance, but most boards of most not-for-profits are about the governance. Okay, And one of the things we do is we want to get very active committees. Now, we break that, again, that phase growth plan will have the short-term action plans in it. Okay? And we want to break that down into bite-side pieces because people join boards because they want to see results. Okay? Most boards end up being bobbleheads. Okay? They're not active in the process. So we break that down into pieces and actively engage the board. Bite-size, you know, because one of your great challenges with boards and people getting engaged, they have a limited amount of time. So it's more important, more critical, we break that into bite-sized pieces. One of the reasons we have 38 people on the board of, of that senior organization is to primarily use the expertise of those people. They are tied to and they want to give it. We have a couple of three real estate because we operate some other real estate pieces out of that organization. So we have two or three people on the board that are in the real estate. They meet separately, they work on, they come back to the board with kind of here's where we're going next, here's the results we've achieved. Now they're feeling like they're involved in that impact. So and if, if you know, there still is a role for the governance, the people approving the budgets, the direction, and that kind of stuff. But that's the governance piece. Most not-for-profits I deal with, that's all they have when I come in. The board is not actively engaged. But you have to break that back down into some really bite-sized pieces that relate to your plan and let them feel like, you know, not let them feel like, but let them actively engage. Their contribution goes up. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an interesting concept. And I'm not necessarily saying everybody needs to go have a board of 38 people by any means, but where is the active engagement of what I'm doing? And the other side of it is is, is not to come from a point of scarcity too. Oh, okay. Because oh. getting your board engaged, and again, traditionally we get into these fundraising activities, or we're a United Way agency. We took that senior services organization, for example, from having uh, about a 50, around 50, a little less than 50 percent. Dependency on United Way, they now use 3% of their funding's United Way. Wow. Okay. Because, well, part of what we did is we looked at the market we were serving, 
they took a publication that they just kind of ran off, printed some Kinkos or something and sent out, and we turned that publication into a magazine that advertisers now advertise in. And it throws off several millions of dollars of advertising every year. That money is reinvested. So again, that all came from using the board, masterminding kind of, if you wish, against a framework mm -hmm. that keeps us focused on the visions, the values, and the tenets of our mission, and then how we're going to actively engage ourselves, where we're going to prove competency. I will tell you one other quick thing here before I forget. The, 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 one of the real problems is, is most organizations, most not-for-profits, your mission is big and wide and onerous and, and, and damned important, okay? So we get into this thing of, you know, well, it's our mission, and, and again, it's really critical that you have that phased growth plan, that roadmap, which you adjust periodically, okay? Because as you execute, when we first went into assisted living with this group, we had to adjust. We learned a lot from the first facility we built. Okay, made a lot of mistakes. We learned from it and adjusted. So it's all about those adjustments. And too many of the boards take on. So if I take my mission, I've got to look at the next 12 to 18 months and say, what is it that I've really got to accomplish to live to that mission and the longer-term vision of the organization? So let's break it back down into tight compartments. Not-for-profits, in my experience, have a tendency to try and bite off too much. And we took that senior organization, for example. Mm -hmm. What we did with them, I mean, they were a very small organization. And it took us, you know, I'm fast-forwarding to 20 years later now. Ooh. Yeah. And, but they keep building and rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding. And their impact is just significant now. You've hit a couple of key points. Mm -hmm. You've got my curiosity up. Um, the, the, when we talk about the process of creating, you're creating a document, but really you're empowering a culture. Mm -hmm. And coming from leadership as a culture, it gives us uh, an area that, that people could rise to a higher level of functioning. Right. So the, the process, the planning process, and then give us several, what are the four or five components that would be in the solution map strategy that, that sure. would be created as a document, but really it's, it's an operative change in the culture. It's a transformation of the yeah. culture. Yeah. The interesting part, there's two main constructs in here. We have to have a strategy, a roadmap of where we're going mm -hmm. to go, mm -hmm. where what our deliverables are, and a set of objectives, a what by when, so that we have some level mm -hmm. of measure and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So one construct of it is the roadmap. The other construct of it is the competencies and capabilities, uh -huh. that we have to have the underpinnings of good competencies and capabilities. And again, this is a challenge. Because if you try and bite off too much, you don't have the competency and capabilities, you don't get the execution. And I will tell you where boards get frustrated, not for profits and whatnot, is you don't get the execution, you don't get the results. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to come back to, you know, there's two pieces, and, and I work with Hugh on some of these. Uh, there's two pieces in there. there. There's that culture and the foundation of that culture. Mm -hmm. What is our culture? What are our values? What are our purposes? And in fact, those values and that culture becomes a part of your competency. Mm -hmm. You have to treat that as a competency. Agize it. How are we going to build it? And the other part of it is, and again, this is this is about leadership. None of us were born as natural born leaders. That is something we learn. Most of us learn it the hard way and that kind of stuff. The leadership upgrades in the staff and even in the board and the interactions in the community are critical to making all of this work. 
That needs to back to the first point. When we build these one-page frameworks, and the reason they're one-page is because I've discovered people don't read much over one page anyway. <laughs> and secondarily, I'm trying to keep everybody tied to one page. And there's a whole, you know, can be a weekly, monthly, you know, like weekly with the staff and monthly with the, maybe a board level. And then, you know, quarterly, we kind of do this thing called the rear view mirror and the windshield. Rear view mirror, what happened to us and why. Mm -hmm. The windshield, what's out in front of us. Because we're kind of... And that's how we update and manage that plan. And again, the whole purpose of that framework is the agenda for leadership, mm. is what we call that document. Okay, And it's incumbent upon the CEO of the organization to turn that into a living document that ties everybody to not only what they need to be doing, but the values and the culture in leading the people and creating communications. That's a key piece. Um, mm -hmm. in, in essence, it's, it's really a possibility document. In another essence, it's also a practical document. We could probably do anything we want to do. We can't do everything we want to do, right. and certainly not all at once. So I see it as a, as a prudent look at, okay, here's all the possibilities. Okay, what can we reasonably accomplish? And your, your multi-phase plan gives us a sequence. Okay, right. if we're really good and we accomplish this, which gives people a satisfaction level. And that's a high level of engagement. People are satisfied, they're going to show up and they're going to want to go, hmm, let's do the next one. Right. So the, the brilliance in that is let's grow it, but let's grow it sequentially in a way we can manage. Sure. Because we tend to think, oh, it's a great vision, everybody will catch on and we'll just do it. Well, there's a train wreck there. Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to explore, um, mentioned um, money a few times. <laughs> and um, always a tough subject. It's a tough subject. However, it would uh, let's talk about the the relationship between money and the strategy. Mm -hmm. um, I see in grant applications now that they want strategic, strategic, measurable, specific objectives. Right. And what are you going to do? What, and that's the impact piece you're talking about. But talk about the relevance of having this plan in place, and people have the stakeholders have opted in and said, yes, we've created it. So there's yeah. a creation question coming next. But let's talk about um, the, the reason that it's important to attract money, both private donations, sponsors, and, and grants. Sure. And then talk a little bit about the process. How, does everybody show up and plan, or is there a planning team? So do that second. But talk about the relevance of the plan and the money first. OK, well, the plan itself obviously describes your vision and where you're going and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. The other thing, and again, we get into the rear view mirror and the windshield we're looking at, and, and again, I keep using my senior group as an example here, mm -hmm. and, and lots of lessons to be learned there, but others too. That's our peer group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both of us have gray hair, so we're in this, you know, actually I joined the board of this group primarily because I wanted them to get it right before I got to that age, so, <laughs> so that started that 20 years ago. But anyway, at the end of the day, it, it's so much about creating that map. And early on, you know, we're trying to get engagement. The importance of having that map in the longer term, and we have a tendency, we present all of that, okay? And attracting the next level of donors, wherever you are, sponsors, support groups, whatever, in-kind donors, whatever you've got going for you, the importance of attracting them is not just that long-term vision, and that's where most people stop, okay? But I want to know, what are you going to do over the next 18 months? Because mm -hmm. people, board members, donors, and everybody else, want to attach themselves to impact. Mm -hmm. Okay? And part of our problem is, is, you know, once the project gets mature, things happen, you know, and all of a sudden donors show up, right? 
But if you're the guy down there that doesn't have the donors you want, needs to grow the organization, a lot of what you've got to do is to put in place, here's the next steps, and be realistic about what you can accomplish. You get that accomplished, and then all of a sudden you start elevating to the next level. Everybody's feeling success. They're feeling rewards and success. Mm -hmm. This senior group, to be honest with you, really doesn't have to worry about money anymore. Mm -hmm. They have some sustainability to it. That's the other side of the thing. We want to create things that have a level of sustainability to it if we can. And, and in their example, and I know not everybody can do this, but in their example, they had you know, the, the housing throws off money. The magazine throws off money. They have run a number of adult day centers. And again, it's all about affordability and that kind of stuff, but they're using their money. okay, And, and because of their impact, because of their visibility now, the donors are there, but trust me, we did that in some bite-sized pieces. I don't know if that answers your question. You, you did it over time. Yeah, and, and but that's you, the importance of the strategy process. Correct, correct. Because you course correct over time. Yeah, um, but it's important to have that renewal process mm -hmm. in place that I understand your strategies are ongoing. You, you revise them and update them on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and it really engages the business community with what they understand, these are business principles, creating mm -hmm. creating residual income, creating sustainability right. in income, rather than having to have bake sales, which really, if you took everybody's time and valued it, you'd be losing money yeah. with the bake sales. People do it out of obligation or whatever. So we're actually providing value with a magazine, providing value with your example, mm -hmm. and the housing, it's also generating income and right. sustainability. Exactly. And we tend to undervalue the, the income part which is, as, oh, that's a business thing. We're not in business. Well, if we're going to do a good job of reaching our vision and changing the community that we're in, we've got to have some money, the, the money flow. Todd, do you have any, any questions on your part, or do you have any questions that have come in so far? I'm going to go to the next planning piece with Ed. Definitely. Thanks, Hugh. Um, I think this is a really exciting discussion right now. We're talking about... Uh, process and systems and thinking about the future. Uh, I think one of the big questions that's coming in right now that's just present on the minds of people uh, when they think about nonprofits and strategy is something almost as simple as this ALS ice bucket challenge. You see yeah. something that in many ways that's is kind great. of a right now, but it talk a little bit about how we can find things that may appear creative and may appear a little gimmicky but can certainly work towards a long-term strategy? Well, we have a number of things now with social media that we didn't have before in these mm -hmm. not-for-profits. You have the, and again, we've been working with some recently about building events and stuff that create that visibility and that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit of, one of the things you define in strategy is brand value and brand promise. Okay, now that's different a little bit than vision and mission. We'll go into the details here. But at the end of the day, you know, it's that brand promise that you're putting out there, that brand value. So we have social media. We have a way to create those events. You know, and again, the ice bucket challenge, and I just thank God every day now that I haven't been challenged because that looks really cold to me. So I'm not into that challenge. But what they're doing, you know, and, and again, it goes back. I can't even remember the charity. Is it? A, that they're, that's tied to it. So I don't remember. I don't remember. Do you remember, that. Todd? Was it ALS or something? Anyway. Yeah. ALS. Yeah, it's ALS. Yeah, and that's part of the reason it got into the athletics 
the whole world because it's known as Lou Gehrig's disease, I believe, and, mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. Those are great events, okay, but they typically have a short life to them. All right, so you've got to have a series of event plannings. And one of the, just kind of a segue into another piece just real quick. One of the things that not-for-profits do is they don't look for alliance partners, okay? Define alliance partner. Well, alliance partner is somebody that, you know, is in the not-for-profit world, is somebody that's kind of operating in your space maybe and doing a number of things, but, you know, that may own relationships with part of the same organizations, the same people you're serving and that kind of stuff. Let me go back to my senior example, okay? There's a number of organizations that provide everything from housing and that kind of stuff. So what we did was, rather than try and own everything and be the kingpin of senior services, we built alliances with all these organizations. And one of the things we did on the donor side was we kind of became the lead dog. We were the 800-pound gorilla in senior markets in Tulsa, Oklahoma, anyway. People fly in from all the country to really study what the heck did they do, uh -huh. and say, so, "Well, I made the rash assumption that every city had one of those things," and I found out as uh -huh. they don't, they don't. So anyway, end of the day, the, the, the alliance partnerships. Now you're expanding that impact. You're getting that cooperation and collaboration, which is so important. For example, a lot of the seniors end up in senior housing that comes under the housing authority of the city of Tulsa or whatever. So we crisscrossed into that housing authority to provide services and that kind of stuff. Now what happened was is that changed our impact and our reach. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Just and it was relationships. We don't formally get involved with them. But one of their challenges is those projects, as people got older mm -hmm. and the senile dementia is other assisted living needs set in place, guess where they sent all those people? Mm -hmm. To our property. So again we we solved the problem a lot with alliances. We got allied with social services organizations and that kind of stuff. And trust me, when you put together that plan and you have those alliances, you go out to donors. And they look at your reach and impact, and it's significant. Plus, several of the board members on that organization are on the boards of some of the alliance partners. So we're creating a collaborative model, which obviously leads to bigger impact. Collaborative model. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's something we were we were taught. Now, doing this this planning process, it sounds like it's painful and a lot of time and a yeah. lot of people. So, um, how do and do we get everybody in the room and and get all the ideas? So what's the best way yeah. to, to to put one of these plans together? You want to get rid of your board members quickly. Hold a lot of planning sessions. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Bye. I have sat through several of those and that kind of stuff. Part of the secret to great plans is you, and I, I like to tell people, when we do plans with them, we build the strategic plan once. One time only. You never rebuild it again. One time. Okay? And again, we use this just as an example, this one-page framework, okay? Mm -hmm. What you're doing on a one-page framework, it takes a little bit of time and effort and activities. Mm -hmm. You do a lot of input from a lot of pieces. Mm -hmm. Take the areas of expertise with your staff and the people in your organization, the expertise of your board, break that out into different components to give input to a process. Because you type people up for long periods of time in a boardroom discussing strategies, A, it might not be an area of interest you're going to get, you know, mm -hmm. and again, but you do want to mastermind that back out and ask for input and that kind of stuff. So it's a smaller group that creates it, but they do intake and input. And if you can even get input from those markets you serve, we talked to an awful lot of seniors before we built this plan. 
Real. Yeah, well, we sit around a boardroom, to be honest with you. None of us were real seniors at that point in time, and we're trying to decide what seniors need. Now, let's be smart and go talk to the market. That they call testing your assumptions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Getting rid of your bias, because we all have a bias and a perspective. So uh -huh. that's a little bit of it. But here's the important part. Once you've got that framework built, and you get into whatever process you come up with, a monthly, I did, most of the not-for-profits I work, we do a quarterly thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we have a three-year horizon in terms of objectives and financials and all of that, but we're only looking at that short-term detail. Mm -hmm. And we roll off three months of detail, add new three months of detail. We roll off one quarter of high-level stuff and add another high-level quarter of high-level stuff. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're constantly updating and tweaking that plan, and you're going back to that framework or your roadmap, whatever the document looks like, and you're saying, you know, how are we adjusting? I, you know, I really will demonstrate I'm a senior. Yeah, I remember the old kids game. Of, I'm a boomer, not a senior. I shouldn't say that, but a I'm a boomer. Don't ever call a boomer a senior. You're in trouble. So anyway, the, 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 at the end of the day, we all remember the kids game, pin the tail on the donkey. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit of what we do. You build this framework to build a roadmap. Some new idea comes to the forefront. Okay. We have a tendency to reject new ideas because we've got this box, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the pin the tail on the donkey a little bit, uh, figuratively, is you've got this framework and we've got, hey, here's a new idea. How does that change? Does it fit with our value systems? Does it fit with our mission, our impact, our culture, what we want to do? Does it change strategy? Does it change our resourcing, resource needs, how we're allocating resources? And so you're evolving by looking at that. And we call it pin the tail on the donkey because we've got this framework. Where does this pin? We don't put the blindfold on. Okay. Exactly. The yeah. process is about finding where this fits and how it fits. So it gives you the opportunity to take all the ideas that always fly and be able to put them into a context and into a place. This is a whole lot of data. We're talking to Ed Vogel. Ed Vogel's <laughs> been a st strategic planner uh, all his life, and he's the consummate professional in creating the framework, the strategic focus framework. Yes. Yeah, and um, it really is clarity for me as to I'm in an organization, I'm a type A personality, what am I supposed to do, right. and what comes next? I also find over and over when people are personally fulfilled, they're liable to step up. I'm against the, the volunteer word, people exactly. that volunteer. I hate uh, volunteer word. Yes, right, but we can articulate um, what it is we're going to do and what the impact is, and then we engage people in conversation. And we give them a place to play. Yeah. So it's it's really servant leaders in action in community exactly. and community, and then and the church is uh, members in mission. Right. We we've been called to to this task, and so it's hard work on your part. It sounds like it's brainstorming and looking at options, and making decisions for the participants. And right. So part of your job is to guide that conversation. Yeah. Comes Early on, you've got to get spend a little bit more time to create that first pass of the framework. Mm -hmm. And again, and or. A lot of times they have a framework that has, a, you know, already have a framework. Can we build and embellish on that? I mean, I'm not married to my framework being the only framework out there that works, but mm -hmm. it's more the process related to that framework in which you create. And to your point a minute ago, Hugh, you talked about people like to get engaged and make things happen. Again, I don't like to sit on boards where I'm a bobblehead or I'm not, you know, people, even in business and what's shifting in our culture today, and you can speak to this more than I can. We're shifting our culture today. People work for a share of the vision and the results. That's that's the reward, the satisfaction of doing that. Well, the same thing applies for your your, your not-for-profit world. 
they want to have a share of the vision. And, you know, we like the little win sprints and we get those short-term stuff done and we get a win. Then that gets infectious and we get that next level of win and then we get that next level of win. And again, the senior group I'm talking about, it took 20 years to evolve that organization into what it is today. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, but they set out, we took some bite-sized pieces, but they wanted to do it all and they thought they had to control it all. That's where we got into the alliance partners and that kind of stuff. So we can build that, you know, and, and not have to have all ownership. In fact, that's a, there's an entrepreneurial model out there now. It's, it's about being nimble. I have a client that has five employees of 19 alliances who make millions of dollars a month. And the good news is he's also a nice donor. Serves on boards. Okay? But he, again, it's everybody wants to achieve results. We're gonna we're coming to the end of our time. And oh, the, the, the magazine that uh, you have, we could talk all day on this topic, <laughs> yeah. couldn't we? We probably would bore our audience. But that, there's a lot, I know we've dumped a lot of data in their laps, and Absolutely. their brains are probably full. Ed has a really good article in the uh, September 1st edition of Nonprofit Performance. You can go to nonprofitperformance.org and get your free digital copy and get on a subscription list, so you'll know what's coming up. Repeat and, that URL again. Uh, nonprofit performance.org, nonprofit performance. It's specific articles aimed at the social benefit leaders in religious and community organizations. And right. Thank you for that article. As we um, depart, is there a departing thought or tip that you want to share with uh, members of the social benefit community that are impacting the communities where they live and want to make a sick difference? difference in empowering their boards and their stakeholders. Yes. Uh, first and foremost to that scarcity. Mm -hmm. Okay. I really, really walk into not-for-profits. I did a school board foundation force money into the community. And this was one of the largest public schools in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the highest academically rated and they had their little foundation board and they plowed a whole whopping $20,000 a year into the community, into the teachers and the programs and that kind of stuff. They asked me to come in and help them with their strategy and I said, well, it seems to me that's nice and it's wonderful what you're doing, but it seems rather irrelevant and not impactful. Mm. Okay, so we immediately, and again, this was my biggest cue and cry with not-for-profits. They needed to have impact. The school monies weren't there and they were incidentally dedicated totally to, it had to be in classroom stuff. But the teachers got the money to impact the students. We weren't doing landscaping projects at the school type of thing. Okay? Fast forward to today, that group, that organization has a corpus, I think it's up around eight or nine million. They're plowing somewhere between a half a million to a million a year into the school system. Now we have impact. We shifted that scarcity because we defined a longer term goal, broke it back into three or four phases. We adjusted at the end of every phase and kept adjusting but stayed in front of that mission and that impact. And so we've got to have impact, so we've got to make this occur. And so the donors, sponsors, and other people that were involved in that organization, as it evolved and it had its impact, much easier for them to step up. Thank you, Ed Bogle. Um, if people want to have questions and send to us, would you be kind enough to answer some of these? Oh, sure. No, I'd be delighted to. This is a personal mission of mine. Uh, you know, in my life right now is the give back. That's why I do that, because it's a lot of fun. I, I, perfectly happy to try and do that. I don't know how you organize and do that, but I'd be happy to take sure. questions and find out which ones are the most frequent and maybe we can write about that in the That's future. That's what we call Todd. Todd, 
Yeah, okay. Um, thank you all. Thank you, folks, for being here today. Todd, give us uh, the instructions on how we can, they can make comments so we can respond to them. Absolutely. Thanks, Hugh. Thanks, Ed. Uh, one of the questions and comments that came in uh, on our Q&A feed uh, from our, our viewers uh, had to do with the question of how do you maintain focus uh, for, for leaders within a nonprofit realm? And I think, Ed, to your statement, uh, you're creating those bite-sized chunks. You're creating measurable pieces that allow people to think about moving from today to tomorrow and into the future. And I think that's one of the keys that our people want to know. If you have other questions, things that you want to see addressed, we want to invite you to check out uh, the opportunities on our website. We've got the information that will be ready for you to be able to uh, see what's going on um, as well. We want to let you know we're going to have our, our live Q&A coming up Thursday at 4 p.m. If you had questions from today, uh, please feel free to bring those. We're going to be focusing in on leadership, but if there are questions that you had from the webinar here, please bring those with you to our live Q&A. It'll be Thursdays at 4 p.m., and that'll be an opportunity for us to address those, and we'll be able to bring Ed some of those questions back and go forward with yeah. that. Okay. More so, willing Todd, just real quickly, the process we use is called the Focus Strategic Framework. <laughs> it's I, I actually love it because I think I'm a high-functioning ADD, ADHD, <laughs> and it helps me to stay focused, helps our clients stay focused. So it's that roadmap, simplicity, people stay attached to that, they stay focused. That's a great point, Ed. Thank you so much. In, in case you missed one of our previous Hangouts, we want to let you know that those are in archive form on our website at centervisionleadership.org backslash hangouts. Those are the archived events. There you can see discussion between Hugh and um, excuse me and David Gruder as they talk about some of the key problems or challenges facing leadership today. That was filmed two weeks ago and just last week on Wednesday Hugh sat down with Bill Gilmer from WordSprint and they discussed the importance of running effective mail fundraising campaigns. So we're really excited about the archives that are forming here. We invite you to join us at any point in time, whether you can be with us live as a viewer or you're able to come back and watch these later on. Get used to Tuesdays at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Tuesdays at 2. You're going to see a webinar here on centervisionleadership.org. We're so thankful, again, that we could have Ed Bogle with us. Ed is a, a fantastic strategist, and we're so pleased uh, to have him as one of our wayfinders, as one of the guides that supports the mission of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. Thank you to everybody who participated. We look forward to seeing you in our live Q&A on Thursday at 4 p.m. Please, please be sure to join us then and come to the website. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.